0: On March 16, 2000, two sheriff's deputies were shot in Atlanta. Jamil Alameen, a Muslim leader and former Black Power activist, was convicted. But the evidence was shaky, and the whole truth didn't come out during the trial. My name is Mosey Secret, and when I started investigating this case in my hometown, I uncovered a dark truth about America. From Tenderfoot TV, Campside Media, and iHeart Podcasts, Radical is available now. Listen to the new podcast, Radical, for free on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: You're listening to The Dossier, presented by Metro by T-Mobile.
0: Suge, so must have a heavy
2: heart. I mean, uh, to have a dream taken away is a real disappointment to any person. You know, that's, that's the most important thing to me. It's like, you know, you go through life and you got a lot of money, you got the material things, you know, you got your family, you got your business, and you know, you love the people that work for you. You love your artists. And you know, you feel it's complete, but is there something you're missing? You know, some people say, okay, I made it. I made money now, I'm, I'm considered rich now, I'm successful now, but there's something missing? all of a sudden, a person like Tupac walks in your life. you was like, well, hey, that's what I was missing. You know, so it was, it's real personal. It's real important. It's real important.
1: Previously on the Dossier. Chuck Phillips,
3: specific, and I, I have a copy of the article. I mean, you can pull it up on the Internet. It talks specifically how the FBI wired up confidential informant named Michael Robinson, gave his real name, who goes by the moniker Psycho Mike, to meet with Amir Muhammad to try to elicit information and had been doing surveillance on Amir Muhammad. Now, nobody from the LA Times knows about this. This isn't rocket science, man. There's one person that I am briefing. It's Deputy Chief Burko,
1: period. In episode seven, you started to hear from Mario Hammons as he gave a deposition inside the notorious San Quentin prison. We need to continue to listen to what he told lawyers who represented Ms. Wallace, David Mack, and the city of Los Angeles. Mario Hammons was a career informant, someone who worked with the Secret Service, the FBI, and the LAPD. He is the first person that, under oath, testified he saw David Mack, Rafael Perez, and Amir Muhammad at Shug Knight's Club 662 in Vegas. He also provided the FBI with pictures of Suge, Amir Mohammed, David Mack, and Rafael Perez partying together in Las Vegas. You are now listening to Episode 8 of The Dossier, live from San Quentin with Mario Hammonds.
0: And when did you begin assisting the FBI as it relates to death row records? Anywhere from 93 to 96. And you had indicated that you gave them a photograph or photographs and you named a number of different people. Yes. Were all those folks in one photograph? Uh, different ones, but at the same night. All right. Same place, same time. And did any of those photographs show pictures of David Mack? Yes. Did any of those photographs show pictures of David Mack with Suge Knight? Yes. Did any of those photographs show David Mack with other recording artists and associates of Death Row Records? Yes. Did any of those photographs show David Mack, Amir Muhammad, and Shug Knight?
4: Yes. Jackson
0: Lacks Foundation.
4: Yes. Okay. And myself.
0: Okay. Let me let me back up. Let me back up and ask you a series of questions. You know who Shug Knight is, right? Yes, I do. Okay. And how do you know who Suge Knight is? Through us association with him. Okay. Do you know who Amir Muhammad is? Yes. And who is Amir Muhammad? Amir Muhammad is a Muslim brother of mine. Okay. And how did you meet Mr. Muhammad?
4: In, L- in L.A., in Las Vegas.
0: And was Mr. Muhammad with David Mack at that time? Yes. And is that how you know who Mr. Muhammad is? That's the only way I know. That is the only way I know. Have you seen any photographs that show Mr. Muhammad, Shug Knight, and Mr. Mack? Yes, I am. Were you present at any conversation where Mr. Knight expressed animosity towards Mr. Wallace, where David Mack was present? I can not remember that. Okay. I don't remember that. Did you indicate that Mr. Knight had made statements to you regarding the murder of Mr. Wallace? Yes, he did. Were any such Statements. Any statements like that made with David Mack present? The statements when he made those
4: statements were when we was incarcerated that he said David Mack was involved, that David Mack had taken care of it and had it, it was taken care of, meaning the Christopher Wallace
1: assassination. This is the first testimony under oath by Mario Hammonds where he says directly that Suge Knight told him that David Mack was involved, that David Mack took care of the assassination. To go further, Mario Hammond states that he saw photographs that showed David Mack, Amir Muhammad, and Suge Knight together. You might ask yourself, why does the attorney for Miss Wallace, Rob Frank, keep asking Mario Hammond's, about photographs. The existence of photographs are important for two main reasons. The first is that many people inside the LAPD have said there was no relationship between Suge Knight, David Mack, and Amir Muhammad. The second reason is, if you remember what Phil Carson said about his dealings with LAPD robbery homicide detective Steve Katz and the files of this case, is he saw photographs of cops present at Biggie's murder, but these photographs disappeared. If the attorneys for Miss Wallace could build a solid connection between Mac, Perez, Shug, and Amir Muhammad, this would be the ammunition to win the civil trial and a massive financial settlement in upwards of $200 million.
0: Did Mr. Knight at any time while you were present discuss law enforcement involvement in death row records?
4: Yes, he has. On numerous occasions. And what did he say in that regard? That we had, and he's saying we, that we had uh, LAPD uh, protecting us and as bodyguards and not to worry about nothing when I'm in LA did mr. Knight name any officers uh, Raphael Perez David Mack and the other officer escapes me um, I know he's kin to Shig Knight's wife that's all I remember when Shig was talking about it when we was in uh, CMC
0: did you ever observe anyone who you believed to be a Los Angeles police officer present at any death row function? Section Foundation calls for you May ask you? Yes, I am. Okay. Why did you believe the person or persons were or was a Los Angeles? I was told person? by Tupac Shakur and Chug Knight. And what did they
4: tell you? Uh, What I told you earlier that don't worry about it because we got LAPD and we don't have nothing to worry about and don't worry about nothing while you're down here because I'm a very hesitant person due to my way I do things. Uh, I don't trust cops regardless of how cool they is or how long I've worked with them. I don't, I just don't. I don't care how
0: cool you say a cop is, I don't trust them. Are you familiar with the Bloods street Gang? Yes, I am very familiar with the Blood Street Gangs. And how are you familiar with the Blood Street Gangs? Through uh, Marion Knight, Sugar Knight. Do you have an understanding as to whether there is a relationship or association between Mr. Knight and, and Death Row Records and the Blood Street Gang? Yes, there is a major connection. Okay. The Ludus Park uh, Bloods, which is where Sugar is from,
4: they uh, usually did a lot of work there at Death Row. Uh, some, I'm saying my part that I know of and that they are associated with with Suge Knight and Death Records. If you look at all his videos, Suge had a, either a gray suit or a black or something like that. When the muscle got there, like you couldn't look at him. When the muscle came, that's when the, the, the suit changed, excuse me, That the suit changed, the cigars, uh, The rings, that's when all that came. So when he felt untouchable.
0: What is the San Luis Obispo Men's Colony? It is a prison for high notoriety inmates and protective
4: custody inmates, a soft line inmates that program. Uh, It's the Disneyland
0: of prisons. Were you ever housed in that facility? I was housed there from 1997 to 2001. And do you have an understanding as to why you were housed in that particular facility? Due to my cooperation as an agent provocateur for different government agencies. While you were housed at the San Luis Obispo Men's Colony, did you have occasion to associate with Suge Knight? Yes. Me and uh, Suge Knight reacquainted
4: ourselves from our little escapades in Vegas and Los Angeles, and we reminisced and laughed and jive and bullshit about it and talked about just you know, kicked you know, kicked it and got close. We, matter of fact, we even tried to get something going there. A couple of shows we tried to produce, but the warden shot him down.
2: I realized you got two powerful, positive black men, and anytime you're doing a lot of good. People want to bring the good down always, always, and you never know. You never know what which person' motive was. You never. Uh, I know,
1: whoever it is, they regretting it. In this section of the deposition, Mario Hammond starts to talk about his time being in prison with Suge Knight at San Luis Obispo. There was some key information that is shared. So listen carefully.
4: First of all, even though that we're in a PC institution, and She'll um, got a jacket itself, and he was a, he was a uh, informer, so he couldn't really scrutinize anybody himself because, when uh, Michael Harris sent gentlemen from Lancaster Prison to come kill him on the bus, Shug Knight used to go down in the R&R, and I arranged for him with S&I upstairs and let him look at the people getting
1: off the bus. You're going to have to listen between the lines here in this exchange, and I need to explain this. What Mario was saying is that Suge was in the prison in that particular section because he was a snitch or an informer. There's no proof of this other than what Mario is saying. Second, he mentions the name Michael Harris, sending people from another jail in L.A. to have Suge kill. Michael Harry O. Harris was a notorious drug kingpin in Los Angeles, who it is rumored gave Suge Knight the startup money for Death Row Records. Shook proceeded to cut him out of the riches.
4: They came from Lancaster and it was Bloods and Certain Crips. Shook told staff that they can't get off the bus here because they're going to try to harm me. And I made sure that that those kind of people didn't touch down. So with that, me and Shook got real tight. So he enlisted me um, for services. And uh, being that we had met prior and he knew that me and Tupac was tight, he trusted me, being from Northern California, when he wouldn't trust his own blood uh, associates because a lot of them wanted to do something to him there as well and the Rolling Sixties group, the Crips. So he enlisted the Muslims, the ex-BGFs, and some, uh, I'm going to say some... Brothers out of the different other groups in Northern California. This part is simple.
1: Mario Hammond's protected Suge Knight in jail. For his services, he was paid by Suge. His payment was most likely transferred to someone on the outside, but it goes deeper. At this point in Suge's life, Suge was only as powerful as the gang affiliation he had. His fear was based on what gang leader stood by his side bloods or crips suge had alienated both gangs and now was relying on the black Guerrilla family or black muslims for protection in jail nonetheless he took on using
4: us to kind of like put a protection thing around him so he wanted us in the visiting room with him he wanted us around him he made sure we had money on our books He made sure we got packages. He made sure that our families was taken care of. So uh, we had to be loyal to Mr. Knight, but I didn't take no shit off of him. That's why he liked me and I wasn't stupid. He liked stupid people around him because he can control them.
1: A Daily Mail TV exclusive involving jailed and convicted drug dealer Michael Harry O'Harris. He's
0: one of the founders of hip-hop's Death Row Records. Harris has been behind bars for the last
1: 31 years and now, claiming to be reformed, he's preparing for life as a free man, using his life experience to help others.
2: To achieve the massive task of getting me out of prison, it took not just money but power and, and proper time.
1: Timing has been key for former cocaine kingpin Michael Harry O. Harris, who until now has been behind bars. Now he's looking forward to freedom after having served more than three decades for attempted murder and kidnapping.
0: After the murder of Mr. Wallace, did Mr. Knight make any statements to you regarding the murder of Mr. Wallace?
4: Yes, he made several and numerous statements uh, all the time that we were there in CMC, and he said... My people handled their business and they took care of it when you could have made that money up north. You guys could have did that. But my people did it and he explained to me because he had entrusted me. And he said that, yeah, they took care of business and he took it like a big fat bitch. And he started laughing. And he said, we just missed Puffy, Sean Combs, because he explained to me that this wasn't a Tupac issue. This was a biggie and Sean Combs' issue. He hated those two individuals with a passion.
1: Immerse yourself in the fascinating tale of Song of Solomon by the legendary Pulitzer Prize-winning author, Toni Morrison, a mesmerizing coming-of-age masterpiece that has captivated readers around the world. Follow the protagonist, Milkman Dead, who was born shortly after a neighborhood eccentric hurled himself off a roof in a vain attempt at flight. For the rest of his life, Milkman, too, will be trying to fly. As Morrison follows Milkman on a quest to uncover his roots and himself in his Rust Belt hometown to the place of his family's origins, she introduces an entire cast of strivers. And seriouses, liars, and assassins, the inhabitants of a fully realized black world. As the New Yorker put it, Morrison moves easily in and out of the lives and thoughts of her characters, luxuriating in the diversity of circumstances and personality. Whether you're a seasoned reader or new to Toni Morrison, Song of Solomon is a must read that will ignite your imagination and leave you wanting to read more Morrison, Song of Solomon, a timeless tale that will stay with you long after you've turned its final page. Available now at TonyMorrison.com and wherever books are sold. All right, so life doesn't happen biweekly. weekly so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work. Up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So maybe you need to get your kids something special, or you and the wife need a scintillating night out, every once in a while at least. So download Earn In Today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in the dossier under podcast. Earn In is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com forward slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank & Trust, member FDIC. There it is. Mario told us directly what Suge said question for me is, if Mario was sitting in a courtroom and Suge Knight was on trial for the murder of Biggie, would you believe Mario Hammonds? Is he credible? Did Knight make any statements
0: regarding persons who were involved in that? Yes.
4: Yes. Uh, he mentioned a guy by the name of Sykes, Reg, David Mack, and Amir Muhammad.
0: Did he make any statements regarding how the murder Took place.
4: Yes, he said that he was in the county, and he coordinated on the over the uh, phones and Mac and this other cat Amir and whoever else. I, I can't. Their names escaped me. That it was all they was communicating with cell phones, and that he had got information prior to that from some females that knew Biggie, Small Christopher Wallace, that they uh, knew where he was going to be
0: at, and he wanted to make a statement. He wanted it done on the West Coast. Did you discuss with the Los Angeles Police Department the
1: statements made by Mr. Knight? Yes, I did. Mario was very clear again that Shook told him he took care of killing Biggie and that Reggie, Mac, and Mohammed were all involved along with a guy named Sykes. He also tells Rob Frank the lawyer during the deposition that he shared all of this information with the LAPD.
4: I do believe that uh, Suge Knight and Reggie Wright Jr. are responsible. I think the evidence is clear for the Tupac Shakur case. I also believe he's responsible. Both of them are responsible for the hit on Biggie. Also, but I think the evidence in Tupac is is mounting. In building, if you
0: can get all the people that uh, talked to Tupac before his death, did the Los Angeles Police Department pay for any of the information you gave them? No.
4: Only thing they said is they was going to put me in a protection program if this made it to trial. I protected myself. Why are you testifying today? I'm testifying today because it's the truth. And it's something that needs to be done and I may not be here and I don't want to take this with me because I am a full-fledged Muslim. I pray five times a day and I can't go through life and not right a wrong. In Islam, if you see somebody doing something wrong and you don't try to change it with your mouth, your hand, or your heart, then you become a part of it, and you take that to the hereafter which. Do you have concerns for your safety? And I have major concerns for my safety. Do you have concerns for your family's safety? I have major concerns for my family's safety that I was told that I was going to get by the LAPD and the federal government.
0: In the context of the interviews uh, conducted of you by the Los Angeles Police Department, Did they make any statements to you regarding their beliefs as it relates to the Christopher Wallace case? They said that they knew it was cops involved because cops
4: worked with Suge and whenever I was in LA, the cops protected us and that the LAPD was involved. That, and Suge said that that is the reason why this murder would never be solved. He told me this out his own mouth, that because LAPD was involved, that this murder will never be solved and that if anybody says anything against me, I can find out. That's why I don't know how you guys find out about this. They told me that this shit was gonna be sealed, that nobody would know. And 10 years later, everybody pops up.
0: Hi, I'm Abby Kearse. I'm here in downtown Brooklyn, a place where normally on a Sunday afternoon, people are shopping. And this is a somber moment and a sad day in hip-hop. We talked to the fans to find out what they think about this tragic day.
4: When I first heard Biggie Smalls die this morning, my first reaction was ultimate shock. I was in total disbelief that he was dead. Um, he was one of my favorite, favorite rap artists. And um, I can't believe it. I'm totally astounded that he's gone from my community. Another black brother is gone.
2: It's a shame. You're killing your own people. You know, it don't make sense. That was somebody's son. That was somebody's father. You know what I'm saying? When we going to stop? I think Biggie's a person who really had truly deep, deep fans who who felt his worldview spoke to them and, and articulated things they could not articulate themselves. Um, it gives a profound sense of loss. And it's like losing a friend.
0: How do we reach the person that are, the people who are pulling the trigger, the person who pulled the trigger and killed Biggie.
4: These sorts of situations are declared, in my estimation, as part of a national emergency. Um, I don't see how we can affect people personally. Everyone who plays a rap record or rap video or writes about the music has to deal with the larger issues of violence, culture, morality, and soul within you know, the society and the culture. And that's on a continual basis because pretty soon we won't have any rappers left.
1: In my investigation of the murder of Biggie and the cover-up, you have heard from three confidential informants and three lifelong, decorated law enforcement officials. In episode one, you heard me talk to FBI agent Phil Carson, who not only investigated the involvement of LAPD officers in the murder of Biggie, the case he built got shut down by the LAPD, the U.S. Attorney, and the City Attorney for Los Angeles.
3: If I make this case, it's gonna cause a serious strained relationship between the FBI and the LAPD, in particularly with some of the task forces that we're both part of that the FBI is leading.
1: I've been investigating this case for most of my career and discovering FBI agent Phil Carson has provided me with answers for questions that many in the media had and many Biggie fans have had for years. I've acquired hidden files, depositions, audio recordings, and sources who also have been hidden. In the spring of 2020, I was given a legal document. This document I feel changes everything that has been reported on this case. This document is the answer that everyone has wanted, including Valetta Wallace. I want to share with you, I, I was able to get my hands on a document that was a part of the civil proceedings that is under seal, and I don't think too many people have seen this document. In this document, I would like to share with you evidence that if the LAPD really wanted to solve or to find out who was a part of this murder, that they would have shared with you or given to you, or someone there would have said, hey, Phil, why don't you look at this? And I think you're gonna find this staggering. In January of 2001, the LAPD itself instituted a formal internal affairs investigation bearing LAPD internal affairs number CF010190. And there's an exhibit of this. So there's an actual printed copy of this somewhere. In this internal affairs report, the LAPD itself alleges that Mack and Perez conspired to murder oh and God. assisted. In the murder of Mr. Wallace, the IA was assigned to the Rampart Corruption Task Force, the same task force investigating the criminal connection between Mac Perez and other LAPD officers. So, what that just tells Jesus. you is there is an actual internal affairs report that the LAPD generated themselves that said Mac and Perez were a part of this murder. Is that staggering to you? <laughs> that's
3: mind-blowing first of all they're correct but second of all i've never seen that and the fact that they had that information what was the date on that again 2001 january 2001 yes sir okay that's before i even opened up my case yes so that not only should have been part of that murder book trust me myself detective mora and detective sambar we combed through that homicide uh, murder book in uh, deputy chief mcdonald's office uh, with a fine-tooth comb that document was not in there that's amazing to me during that whole time frame unbelievable
1: the next thing i'm going to tell you is a, is a little bit shocking you mean what you just told me isn't well <laughs> detectives cats and Tyndall. Were interviewed as witnesses in the Mac Wallace murder IA file. Other LAPD personnel who participated and were aware of the existence of this file from 2001 to 2002 to the present are these names. And I'm gonna I'm gonna see if you can pick out what name is interesting to you. Okay. Commander Stuart Maslin, Captain Kevin McCarty. Lieutenant John Duncan... Lieutenant Emmanuel Hernandez... Lieutenant John Cook... Sergeant Dan Randolph... Detective Stan Nowake... Detective Tony Pasquale... Detective Tom Witch... And Deputy Chief at the time... Michael Moore... Michael Moore... Michael Moore is the current chief of the LAPD... So what you have to understand... Is all of those names I read you were aware that an internal affairs file existed within the LAPD that stated David Mack and Rafael Perez were involved in the murder. And they all knew about it and took those files and hid those files. And those
3: where those files now. I've never seen them.
1: Now, if that wasn't shocking enough... I'd like to tell you some more information and you tell me if you knew this or you didn't.
3: Okay. The
1: LAPD knew since March of 1997, which is the day that Biggie got killed, Right. that Rafael Perez was on duty as an LAPD officer on the night of the murder of Biggie. Did you know that? No. Second to that, they also knew since March 9th, the day that Biggie was murdered, that evidence existed which placed... Rafael Perez listed on a log of reporting officers at the scene of the murder of Biggie. Jesus. The officer Perez listed at the scene of the murder was looking for shell casings. Are you serious? That exists and is on printed document. (laughs) Jesus. Now, here's another thing that's in writing. The LAPD has known since 1999 that David Mack confessed to being at the scene of the murder on the night of the murder. There was an interview that was done by the LAPD investigators of Benny Keyes, who was incarcerated with David Mack. There's a recorded audio interview of this person's statement stating that Mack indicated that he was a member of the Blood Street Gang, that he believed Mac was a blood, and he observed pictures of Mac and Perez wearing red rags. He stated that Perez visited Mac at the Montebello Jail on two occasions and was accompanied by LAPD officer Sammy Martin. This is all coming from
3: LAPD documents, right? Yes. Unbelievable.
1: On October 28th, 2005 probably in the same time period that you're doing your investigation. Yeah, it is. Right Right in the middle of it. There's a statement that's taken. Again, this isn't hearsay. This is on audio cassettes that exist inside of the LAPD somewhere. That Edward Henry, the stepbrother of Detective Stephen Katz, told LAPD detectives that Katz had told him that he was aware of information and documents implicating individuals associated with the LAPD in the murder of Christopher Wallace. Edward Henry advised them that Kat stated, fuck Biggie, he's going to be in the drawer for a while. He will be a cold case for a long time. Jesus. Who else knows about this?
3: I mean, if the FBI got a hold of something like this, if I knew about this stuff i would have subpoenaed the shit out of that place and the that's the holy is- grail right there if that document that you just read gets into the right hands it will not only make this case it will cause a shitstorm that this city has never seen next time on the dossier it was me, my FBI agent buddy, who recalled this as well. So it had to have been somebody from LAPD. Those are the only other people that were there. But they basically said it's not worth solving a murder of a 400-pound dead black rapper who was a cocaine dealer to solve that murder and ruin all these task forces. Now, that might be the most horrible thing you could say. You could say.